Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 438 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm CEO of the Australian Writers' Centre and co-host alongside the fabulous Alison Tate, also known as A.L. Tate, author of The Wolf's Howl, a Maven and Reeve mystery, and many other books. How are you, Al? Um, how am I? I don't think fabulous is probably not how I describe myself. Um, do you know what I am? I'm a little bit surprised. Why? Because, well, I'm a little bit surprised because um, I got a thing, an alert thing the other day to say that my Mapmaker 4 Goodreads had a, had oh. a new review on it. Like I, uh-huh. I don't usually get a notification, so I'm not entirely sure why I got one. Yeah. Um, but it was in Lithuanian, their review. Oh. <laughs> and I was surprised because I did not know that Mapmaker 4 had come out in Lithuania. Oh. <laughs> I well, was that's somewhat, good. Well, it was a good review, so that was yes. great. Um, they they really liked the book. And I was like, gosh, I uh, might chase up my author copies of Mapmaker 4 <laughs> in Lithuania because I do like to have the foreign editions. Um, mm. And that made me realise that I don't actually have uh, a copy of book three in Lithuanian either. So I have mm. I have made moves to get myself some author copies of the Lithuanian editions of Mapmaker 3 and 4. So if you're listening from Lithuania, um, go hello. get yourself a copy of that <laughs> and hello. <laughs> do you know any Lithuanian? No, By any I don't. Oh, you never know. Just... Do I know okay. any any people from Lithuania or do I know any of language? No, no, the Lithuania. language. No, no, I think we've discussed this in the past. I have not a single uh, word of Lithuanian in my vocab. However, I can tell you that the Mapmaker Chronicles in Lithuanian is uh, Kartografo Chronikos. Oh, That's okay. how you say it. Well, I'm actually okay. not entirely sure if that's how you would even pronounce the first word. So it's de- derived from Latin in in, in a long a long time ago. Spelt with K's. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Oh, cool. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. The, so that's yeah, what's happened out there so in the world. A, that's a thing. Exactly. What about you? What have you been up to? Um, I haven't been surprised really oh. that much. Mm. I have. Um, been suffering from hay fever. I know that that is not very exciting, but that has been wow, dominating just, uh, my life this week. We are really, honestly, <laughs> I can see why people tune into this podcast because, like, the thrills are just enormous, right? <laughs> I know. Maybe what we should do is plunge straight into the world of writing uh, and publishing, shall I think we? So I think if this is the level of discourse that we're going to be at this week, we should probably just go forward. Yep, go forward. Oh, we want to give a big. Shout out to Fiona Murphy, uh, who has just released her debut memoir, The Shape of Sound. Now, Fiona is also a podcast listener, and she actually took some of our advice out. Oh, now that's exciting. Mm. What, what advice did she take? In terms of entering competitions. Now, you know that we often say that it is a good thing to enter competitions because it gives you a deadline, it gives you a focus, actually something to work towards, and you could, you know, get shortlisted or win or longlisted or shortlisted or win. So that's pretty good. Mm. Um, So she did that. And she says that it gave her a focus and a deadline. And so initially, she says that initially she was afraid of rejection, but she just got used to doing it and became invested in the process of doing it and what she got out of the process of doing it um, rather than just the outcome. 
However, <laughs> her hard work paid off because her memoir was, uh, this memoir, The Shape of Sound, was shortlisted for the Richelle Prize and also highly commended in other uh, awards as well. And that's when, because she got shortlisted, she got approached by agents and publishers. So Which is it's fantastic. Worth it. But you know what? The thing I like most about this, Fiona, I'm just going to give you a big shout out here, Mm. is that she took her time before deciding on a book deal Um, because, as she said, she was writing about her experiences with deafness. She had kept her hearing loss Mm. a secret for almost 25 years Mm. and she wanted to make sure she was comfortable with the content of the book before signing a contract. And I think that that is really important because I think sometimes as a new author, like the first deal that comes up, the first opportunity that comes up, we kind of jump on it and then, you know, it's got to go out there. But if you're writing about something really personal, you need to Mm -hmm. make sure that you're happy with what that, you know, how that's being represented, how the publisher is going to represent that with you. That's really important as well. Um, And she was also unsure about how to represent Auslan, uh, the Australian Sign Language, on the page because it is a visual language with a complex spatial grammar and she wanted to make Mm. sure that those those sections were accurate and respectful so she's taken her time um and she's thought about it a lot and after receiving two offers from publishers she has signed with text publishing which Mm. is very exciting and she's really happy that she didn't rush into a contract she's thought a lot about the content of the memoir and so she felt confident when talking about it to the publisher, Mm. the marketing and the publicity teams because this is the thing with memoir too. You have to remember that whatever's in that book, you are A, happy to go out into the world to be, you know, read by everyone else including your peers, Mm. your family and whatever but you also have to be happy to talk about it. You've got to be able to talk about it you know, endlessly at length forevermore. Um, and so you want to be comfortable with with that aspect of it as well. Yeah, and she obviously shows a lot of restraint and discipline to take her time because mm. so many yes. people would just go, oh, my God, book deal, okay, sign. You know? Exactly. And I, <laughs> so, you know, massive props to you, Fiona, huge respect. Mm. Uh, you know, I love the fact that you've respected yourself and your book um, you know, to the nth degree to make sure that you're comfortable with what's, you know, with the with what that product is going to be when it goes out into the world. Mm, Huge Fantastic. Props. Yeah. Congratulations, Fiona. Wonderful. Um, speaking of memoir, you know, do, have you ever read a memoir of someone you actually know and like know quite well and mm. kind of go, oh, my God, I had no idea about any of this and yep. this is possibly too much information? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes and yes. I'm not going to say I'm not going to say whose, uh, but yes and yes. I've got a lot of memoirs on my, you know, signed memoirs on my shelf for people that um, that I know and uh one in particular, yes. Mm. Yes and oh, yes. yes. I can yes. think of one in particular as well. I just can't get the <laughs> image out of my head. All right, let's move on then. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need to go any further on that. No. Uh, yeah, let's move on because you know what? NaNoWriMo is coming. Yes. Valerie, NaNoWriMo is coming. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what it is, it is National Novel Writing Month. It takes place in November. Uh, the challenge is to write 50,000 words in 30 days. It is a big, uh, huge writing together 
community events um, around the world and it's on its way. And um, I found a a little post on janefriedman.com about the fact that if you want to win, so winning is is writing the 50,000, you know, getting a stamp, getting a T-shirt, whatever it is that you choose to do, um, writing the 50,000 words in 30 days, um, which, you know, I have been part of NaNoWriMo several times. I have written... Uh, several of my novels in that started out in NaNoWriMo, uh, including the Mapmaker Chronicles, um, mm. I think two books of that, and also the Adaman Cipher, the first book of the Adaman Cipher novels. I, I kind of, you know, wrote that first draft in, in NaNoWriMo. Um, but I've never, ever won. I've never written 50,000 words in 30 days, and I'm okay with that, Val. Mm. Uh, but w- really- what's the highest you went to? <laughs> I think we've talked about this before, and I think you were just like, I cannot believe this. 48,000, <laughs> 48,000 words. I know. I can almost see you just thinking, oh, oh the eye roll involved in that. Yeah, 48,000 I got to. Yeah, I know. I'm all right with it. I'm okay. Yes, yes, um, yes. Yeah, It's 48,000 more than you didn't have before. Always, yeah, which is always yes. the, the point of NaNoWriMo for me is actually just to kind of get going. It's a really, mm. really good way to get going on anything. Um. But if you do want to win, if you would like to not stop at 48,000 words, uh, the secret, according to Jane, is, and actually it's according to uh, author, editor, and book coach Julie Arts, who is writing mm. a, um, and that's Arts with a Z, A-R-T-Z, uh, is, um, she's writing the guest post on janefriedman.com, and it's all about preparation, which is clearly why. I did never have never won because I've never prepared for NaNoWriMo in my life. I just mm. start writing, uh, which is pretty much the way I do everything when it comes to writing novels. How um, do you prepare for NaNoWriMo? I'm about to tell you. Are you ah, ready? Okay. Are Go. you ready? There are non-writing yes. things that you can do, right? Yeah. You can stock your fridge and freezer with quick, easy, nourishing meals oh. that will free up <laughs> cooking time. Now, I have to say that, you know, when you're cooking for a family, like, I'm sorry, but, you know, that's just not, that's just not what happens. <laughs> Uh, you can sort of like bargain with other members of your household to kind of do more of the of the chores, which I do do. I, you know, I don't bargain with them. I just tell them. <laughs> you boys will be doing X, Y, and Z this month. Um, mm. Set expectations with family and friends that you will be spending the bulk of your free time in November writing, uh, mm. which is, again, not an easy thing if you have a family. But, mm. you know, we've talked a lot about the fact that people, uh, particularly in my early days of writing, I just used to write in the middle of the night because that was kind of when I had the time, the space, and there was no inconvenience for anyone. There was never, I never had to make an excuse to do it then. I just did it um, Mm -hmm. with no sort of like input from family at all. So my suggestion with that is possibly just to make time at a time when you just know you're not going to be interrupted and you know that no one's going to be expecting you to do anything else. So if it's five o'clock in the morning, do it then. If it's, you know, 10 o'clock at night, do it then. Mm. Um, because I just find one of the most difficult things when you when you do have a family and you're trying to, particularly young kids, and you're trying to do this stuff, is this, you have this guilt the whole time oh, of the fact that yeah. you should be doing something else. 
Do it yeah. at a time when there's nothing else you should be doing except sleeping yeah. and um, and you won't feel bad about it. Um, and then, of course, they suggest, you know, rescheduling non-critical appointments for before or after November, which, mm. you know, like why would you spend writing time at the dentist? Well, <laughs> I spend my time at the dentist thinking about other things other than being at the dentist. So for me yeah. it's part of the writing process because I will take myself off yep. to Cartreff with Maven and Reeve mm. and be thinking about their issues rather than thinking about the fact that my tooth is being reconstructed constructed or whatever yes um but there are other things that you can do that are a writing thing so think about this um in advance um and those are things like I would start thinking about at least a character before you start well in Um, advance yeah yeah and I mean even even when I begin writing a story with nothing I kind of have an idea who that of who who, who I'm, whose shoes am I going to be in in this story? Like, where am I going? Am I going to be mm-hmm. in in the in the shoes of a fourteen year old boy who doesn't want to be a map maker? Am I going to be in the shoes of a fifteen year old maid who really just wants to get out? Like, where am I going to be? Because mm. you know your character drives your story. So trying to you know create a character on the run is not not an easy thing to do. So think about that and have some idea of what it is that that character wants. Because the character motivation is also the thing that drives your story. Um, the other thing that the author of this post suggests is is a mash, like work out what kind of story you're writing. Um, you know, is it a, you know, what, what would be some comparison titles? What genre are you going to be in? Um, you know, think about what age group you're writing for at least. Like are you writing an, an adult novel? Are you writing a middle grade novel? Like what, where are you going to, going to be sort of putting this thing? What you don't want to do is write 50,000 words that are such <laughs> such a, a kind of melting pot of different things that they're no use to you at all at the end of it. Like there's no point yeah. in that. Have a thought at least of what it is that you're writing. Um, yeah. And, yes, and what else would you recommend there, Valerie? I Any think also thoughts? following on from that, um, understand what the reader expectations are for that kind of story. Yeah. So if there's any tropes you know, in particular types of crime stories or or romance stories or, you know, that sort of thing, understanding that if readers may come to it with a certain expectation and if you don't deliver, they're going to be a bit cranky. Yeah, yeah, that's so just, true. You, you, you may not deliver, you may choose purposely not to deliver, but you need to understand them in the first place in order to do it properly. Definitely. And I think one of the other tips that, that is in this post, and we will put the link to this in the show notes if you'd like to have a read of the whole thing, um, yeah. I think this is an absolute key to NaNoWriMo. Learn to turn off your internal editor. You will oh, not totally. win. You will no. not win NaNoWriMo if you are trying to edit as you go. Like this like no. NaNoWriMo draft, and you're not writing a whole book. 50,000 words is not a whole book. Even in middle grade it's not a whole book, you know, generally mm. speaking. Um, but what you you cannot do is try to edit as you go. You are doing a vomit draft. You are putting words on a page. You are exploring the story with abandon. You are following tangents. You will find yourself in cul-de-sacs and you may have to like put insert blah, blah here to get you back on track. Do that Mm. and then just keep writing because um, this is not you know, this this is all about getting that story on the page and finding out what that story might be um, as you go. And it, it, it post NaNoWriMo is, is when you edit and post NaNoWriMo is when you really have a look at your vomit draft and probably lose 20,000 words out of it <laughs> and then start... <laughs> 
<laughs> and, then, and then add another 40,000 words to it yeah. and keep going. But, you know, it's it, it's just you. The thing about NaNoWriMo that I really like is it's the fun aspect of writing, which is that thrill, mm. that adrenaline ride of just finding out what this thing is going to be and, and yeah. following that character into a story. And the thing with it is I find, um, particularly when I'm writing middle grade, is it's the kind of thing where you go, you know what, what we need here is a sea monster. Let's get a mm. sea monster into this story. And so the sea monster appears and off you go because there's no reason not to. You're writing mm. 50,000 words, you're, you've set yourself a challenge and then at the end of it you are going to have a look at what you've got and at that point you can decide if the sea monster is required or not. Yeah. But put the sea monster in because you yeah. just never know. You never know. Fantastic. Okay, so we'll put the link in the show notes and um, it'll be interesting to see how many of our listener community actually embark on NaNoWriMo, but we'll get on to that closer uh, to the day. closer, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we have a competition this week. We have three copies of the book Two Sisters Detective Agency by James Patterson and our very own Australian Writers Centre presenter, Candace Fox. So they recently collaborated on the best-selling success, The Inn, uh, and now they're collaborating again on Two Sisters Detective Agency. Two sisters go into the family business they didn't know they had catching killers. Attorney Rhonda Bird returns home to LA to bury her estranged father and discovers that he left her two final surprises. The first is a private detective agency. The second is a teenage half-sister named Baby. When Baby. Rhonda goes... Yeah. <laughs> Bet no one puts her in a corner. When Rhonda oh, wow. goes into her father's old office to close down the business, she gets drawn into a case involving a young man who claims he was abducted. The investigation takes Rhonda and Baby to dark and dangerous places. Soon they are caught in the crosshairs of an angry criminal cartel and an ex-assassin seeking revenge. Oh. Yes. All right. Entries close on the 4th of October. Go to writercentre.com.au slash win to win one of three copies of Two Sisters Detective Agency by James Patterson and Candace Fox. That's writercentre.com.au slash win. Now, Al, are you ready for the word of the week? <sighs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, let's do it. Dariole. That's D-A-R-I-O-L-E. Dariole. Do you know what it is? I do not. Okay. Um, a small, a, a type of small cup-shaped mould or a dish made in such a mould like a small cream tart. So if you made a mini banoffee pie, you would make it in a dariole. Right. Cool. Did you know uh, that word? No, you didn't know. know that word. No, you told me. Yeah, you asked yeah, me yes. and I said Well, no. that's right. Yeah. I know, but did you, the, you know, sometimes it becomes familiar. No. Do you I've know? I've never I had was, a dariole in my life. Well, you probably have. I have, but I didn't know I was having a one. Small I thought I was having tart. a mini not banoffee pie. <laughs> Do you know, I was sitting next to you when I learnt the word ramekin. Were you? Did I tell How you what it was? How weird is that? No, you didn't actually. The person sitting in front of you did. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, it's, but obviously you, when you learn a new word, it's quite 
I don't know. It, I, it's just imprinted in my memory. I there can't believe that you remember that. What, where were mm. we? What were we doing that we were discussing ramekins? We were at Clio mm. and uh, I even remember the author, of the, the writer of the story, I think it was Creme or something, was Vicky Liley and she wrote about ramekins. Right. And there you said, go. what's a ramekin? Yes. Because <laughs> I'm not really big on the kitchen. Astonishing. <laughs> All right. And that was the word of the week. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre and our online course, How to Write for Children and Young Adults. If you'd like to write fiction for kids and teens, our five-week online course will help you find your voice, create characters, dialogue and plots to fit your age group and write compelling stories that young readers will love. You'll also have your very own tutor providing personalised feedback on your writing. Here's what Catherine Pelosi says. When I um, first decided I wanted to write, I was actually living in the UK and I just all of a sudden started thinking about stories and writing. I thought, wow, I'd really like to write for children, but I had no idea how. So when I came back to Sydney, I was like, I need to find out how to do this. And I found the course Writing for Children and Young Adults at the Australian Writers' Centre and I enrolled and it was brilliant from the start. It was just like entering this whole world of like magic and happiness and I've never left because it's just so great learning about writing and children's books. For me the most useful part of the course was learning about all the different components of storytelling. You might have an idea but how do you actually put it all together? and there's so many different elements. Learning all the technical side is, there's a lot to it. The presenter at the um, course was really supportive. And I think also being uh, with other writers, other aspiring writers is really important because you need that community. Writing can be quite isolating. You're often just at your computer typing away. So um, I've met people through the course I've done at the Australian Writers' Centre and kept in touch. So it's a great way to find your writing buddies as well. When I found out that I was being published, it was the best feeling ever. I, the happiest day I can remember so far. It was really, really exciting. Uh, if I think back to when I first did the course at the Australian Writers' Centre, which was my first sort of entry into writing for children, to the moment I got published, it's sort of unbelievable that it happened. Awesome feeling. Now I can call myself a children's book author, which is amazing. And I have my first book coming out, Quark's Academy, and I've signed two more book deals. I would say if you want to do a course at the Australian Writers' Centre, definitely do it. To find out more, go to writerscentre.com.au slash children's author. All right, so Al, who is our writer in residence this week? Oh, well, this week I had the absolute pleasure of talking to Sophie Laguna, Miles oh, Franklin yes. award-winning author, mm. and we discussed what it felt like to win a Miles Franklin because, like, seriously, you have mm. to ask that question, don't you? Oh, yeah. Like, you can't not ask that question. Mm. Mm. Um, but we also discussed her new uh, novel, which is actually a novel for children, um, and it's her first novel for children in quite a long time. She used to write them you know, years ago, but then she kind of went off into Miles Franklin award-winning territory. Uh, but now she has a new one called The Song of Lewis Carmichael, and we had a lovely chat about all of the things.
Sophie Laguna is the author of four novels for adults, which have been shortlisted and longlisted for multiple awards and prizes. Her second novel, The Eye of the Sheep, won the 2015 Miles Franklin Award, and her fourth novel, Infinite Splendours, was published in October 2020 to great acclaim. She has also written many novels for young people, the latest of which, The Song of Lewis Carmichael, was published by Alan and Unwin in September this year. Welcome to the program, Sophie. Thank you, Alison. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. We're going to go back to the beginning of your writing career. I'm going to talk to you mm-hmm. a little bit about the other aspects of your other bits of your career, but let's go back to the writing mm-hmm. bit first. What was the mm-hmm. first novel you ever wrote and was it published? You know that I wrote um, a number of picture books. I published a number of picture books before I actually even attempted a novel. I wrote picture books and then I wrote you know, chapter books for um, those just graduating from picture books. And then I wrote my first children's novel. Um, it was called Surviving Aunt Marsha. And I think that was in, gee whiz, was that 2005? Yeah, I, I think that was 2005. Yeah. And what drew you to picture books in the first place? Oh, I was completely um, obsessed with picture books for a number of years. I was studying writing um I was doing the professional writing and editing diploma at Mm -hmm. RMIT and I was studying uh, writing for children and my focus uh, was picture books. And for for a period of the year, the whole group, we were focused on picture books. And um, I remember at that time, and that was around about, gee whiz, that was the late 90s. Mm -hmm. Gosh, that was the late 90s. Um, I, I, I would go to libraries and I would bring home piles of picture books, every bookshop. I went to I would that would you know that was the the first place I, I would I would visit, and um, I I spent a great deal of time reading them and thinking about writing them. I, you know, it never occurred to me when I when I first started publishing, I was just that was all I thought about for a little while, for a little while until until actually, until the publisher said, why don't you write a novel <laughs> uh, for children? Until yeah, she said it's got to be about thirty five thousand words. Why don't you do that? And as soon as she said it, I said, okay, and I did it. And that was Surviving Aunt Marsha was my first um, novel for adults. But so um, picture books, um, I wrote my first picture book, the first draft of it at the end of 1999. Wow. And I remember putting my pen down after scribbling down this story over about a 25-minute session. Uh, with a group of other writers, and as soon as I finished the story, I felt instinctively it was going to be my first picture book. I just, I just, I yeah, clear, I clear as a bell, and um, I, I went on to work on that manuscript um, for about three months. Took it everywhere with me um, until I felt every word was in the right place. There are very few words, of course, in a picture book, so it kind of matters. Mm. And then I submitted it to. Um, five different publishing houses. I just looked their addresses up in the front of um, books that I liked, Australian books that I liked, and then I put them in the mail. I put them in five different envelopes, yeah, and I I, I waited, I waited, and I waited, and I waited for about (laughs) three And I lived in East St Kilda at the time, I remember. I remember being in Carlisle Street and, and... and it wasn't. I remember getting a letter that day, and I remember being feeling disappointed on Carlisle Street. And I got um, four of these letters in a row, 
in quick succession. Mm. Um, but I've been an actor for many years, and so I was practiced at at um, at rejection, really, and 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 things not coming through. In so fact, you get good I, at that, I, do you? Yeah, I was pretty good at it. Yeah. Oh, well, I'd had a lot of that happen, and so letters were very. Uh, I felt very polite. The fact that you got a letter instead of just um, thank you, we'll be in touch, which that which which directors and you know which and casting agents invariably weren't receiving a letter in the mail was very civilized. <laughs> and I got four of them, and I overlooked the fact that I submitted the story of five publishing houses. Ah. And I remember I felt disappointed, but not not in the way um, I felt when an audition didn't go well because this work sat outside of myself, the written word sat outside of myself on a piece of paper. Ah. And I still had that feeling I had. I, could, I was frustrated rather than, um, I, I, rather than doubting. Can you believe that? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you know, there were many different feelings I had. It wasn't all one thing. I, I did think, okay, so... I've been an actor, yeah, so I just thought, okay, well, I'll just keep going there. Um, but it wasn't the same kind of, I guess, I didn't give up on myself. And then and then a couple of weeks later there was the fifth letter. Fantastic. And, um, yeah. So you, you started to be a lawyer and then you switched to acting and you sort of worked at that for for many years, obviously it growing. Wasn't really, it wasn't really quite like that. More like, Alison, I'd always been an actor and okay. I just did law for a very tiny little while yeah, okay. in order to get me to, to New South Wales University so I could do more acting. Right, okay. So the <laughs> yeah, focus was yeah. always on the left, acting. Always, yeah. since about five. Yep. Okay. And why then did you switch from that to writing or did you just continue to act and add writing to your kind of like so, thing? I, yeah, I was studying writing while acting. Mm-hmm. Acting was a pretty brutal reality, you know. Mm. It wasn't the dream that you had when you are a young girl. No. School and getting to be in plays and with your friends and writing plays for your friends to be in and stuff. It was a, it was a brutal sort of reality. I studied acting, went to VCA and, and um, studied acting for three years. Um, and then, and I worked, um, you know, I, I worked in lots of theatre and education. I, I, you know, I worked in pubs. I cleaned houses. I was surviving. Um, and I began that diploma in writing in the mid nineties as a way to kind of just um, give my life some structure. And, and and I thought maybe I'll write myself a play. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it was the focus. Yeah. And, and so then, at the at the beginning of nineteen ninety nine. Shortly before I wrote the manuscript for My Yellow Blankie, I remember thinking, this year I'm just going to focus on this on this writing a bit more. That, that literally maybe three months before, two months before I wrote that story. Yeah. So when did that you move? The, I remember. When did you move from writing for young people and, it, like, writing a, a, an adult novel? Like, what made you go down that road it wasn't it wasn't so black and white as that you know I was writing one foot wrong my first adult novel um from from the year 2000 on and off through the course through the RMIT course so it was on and off and also that voice was um in one foot wrong she began the story as an extreme very young person but for Uh, me there is never this big oh now I'm writing for that's what the industry does yeah that's what the media does yeah, and that's what marketing does. That's not what I do. I just write. I just write what I feel like writing. I don't make 
big decisions about now I'll do this, that. I'll, I'll make a decision, I guess, as to what um, character I'm interested in. But even that's not much of a decision because it's sort of like, I suppose you could say, like, if you had ice cream, you know, you wanted to eat some ice cream, do you make a decision to go get it? I guess you do. <laughs> the funny <laughs> analogy. But you know what I mean? It's not much of a decision. It's just like what I feel like. Yeah, okay. So tell yeah. us about your process then. Like you kind of like you feel like a story or whatever. Where do you, like you've got your ice cream, where do you begin yeah. when you're writing a novel? So, so, yeah, so if it's what I feel like, you know, that, that's a sort of, that's a sort of um, what's the word? I'm being a little bit facetious there, yeah, aren't I? Course. You know, what I mean is I'll, like let's say with Lewis Carmichael, I'll, I'll, I can't remember. I, I needed to have kept a journal exactly a, about how the thing unfolded. I will have had ideas in my mind about a boy um, in a snowy landscape dealing with a crisis of some sort. I, I, I had pictures in my mind of snow, of like this ice breaking apart. And then the more I began to think about a boy on the ice rescuing a baby, then I began to think of snow geese and hot air balloons. And so that, the idea or the pictures for this story began to kind of bubble away about five years ago. Right, okay. And I've been interested in hot air balloons for a long time because they've made appearances in other books. It begins, the process begins with a, with a character, with a character, mm. either um, in monologue form. Either, uh, yeah, it's a character that begins in a monologue, with a monologue form usually. Okay. This story, Lewis Carmichael, was a little bit different because he wasn't. He was always third person, right? Um, and it was it was the idea of a boy who struggles in the ordinary world and 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 craves the ice. Yeah, that's okay. what it was. He craves yeah. he craves the ice. Yeah, it it has a very lyrical like a, like it's got a real fable like feel, and I think that part of that is the design and the. Um, illustrations you know throughout it as well Mm. but he's a very I like the fact that he's you know he's a quiet boy which is sort of an unusual Mm. thing in children's fiction um generally speaking was that a deliberate like was that deliberate quiet boys are not unusual is it unusual unusual, Alison that that he's quiet like generally generally speaking um like just as someone who is immersed in the world of children's fiction and reads yeah. a lot of it, um, oh, wow. you don't often find a lot of quiet boys. Like it's a, you know, you'll find quiet mm. girls and quiet st- quieter stories for girls, but generally uh-huh. speaking, not so much for boys. Oh, so that obviously oh, wasn't a, a oh, that wasn't something that you thought about so much. No, mm, but I'm okay. sitting here like quietly thrilled. But oh yeah, wow. no, it's great. Yeah, I've never thought about that. Yeah, okay. Well, that's interesting. Well, I'm glad we talked about yeah. it then because because yeah. <laughs> I wondered whether that was a deliberate choice. Like I wondered whether that was, um, you know, having uh, children of your own and stuff like that, whether that was something that you looked for and couldn't find, you know, is that sort of no, quiet God, boy no. story. I, I don't have any time to do anything sensible <laughs> ever, ever. No, gosh, no. It would never occur to me I uh, that that's just not how I – role okay artistically in, in any way I never never know anything about about facts of yeah really okay. and so did yeah. you did you think about the story like as you were writing the story was there a sense that there would be illustrations the whole time or was that something well, that didn't happen till later um, well it's an interesting question because 
my husband, Mark McBride, I don't know if you know, he's my husband. I did know. I wasn't sure if we were going to discuss it. Yes, yes. Your your husband is the illustrator. Yeah. Correct. And and, and that conversation, that we had a conversation about five years ago on holidays together about when would that day come when we would be, when his pictures would really suit my text. (laughs) I remember now. And, and we were talking about, I said, I've got this idea, th- th- this idea where you, where you could, and, this, and that was this idea. Yeah, his name okay. was, I think his name was, da- was David at that point. He's Matthew now, the protagonist. Mm. And so you could say that, and we had a very enthusiastic conversation, and then um, the story was shelved for a little while. I, I probably, what was five years ago? What would that have been, 2014? Yeah. Ordered? Yeah, I can't no. even. Think. I can't even think. Yeah, yeah, no. Two, or, or about 2000. Anyway, so other things happened, including a second child, <laughs> and it, and it, and it it must. I, I wrote some of it. I wrote some of it. That's right. It's coming back to me now, and then I left it. But so it 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 was the product of that conversation, and we talked about him doing the pictures. And then as I began to write it, I forgot all about that and just wrote the story and Uh, it was much it was longer than I thought I didn't really cross my mind that it would be illustrated again until I took it to my publisher and she said this has got to be illustrated this will be illustrated and that was I went oh oh okay yeah that makes sense wait a minute I'm the perfect person (laughs) Mark admitted yeah exactly yes (laughs) yeah um, and so how do you, um, you know, you've obviously got like lots of different ideas and bits of projects on the go at, you know, various times. Like you're saying this this started as a conversation five years ago and in the in the meantime yeah. you've done all these other things. Do you, do you have a sense of a schedule of how you've got to kind of, you know, create your works or do yeah. you just work on the yeah. most immediate idea? I work on the most immediate idea. That's true, but then I will already be scheduling, you know, um, yeah. even though so it's not really like there's a whole bunch. It's pretty org- – like I don't look organised. If you saw my office right now, <laughs> it would be probably, yeah, like you, you'd be sort of surprised, I suppose. But in another way – so it looks like it's a little bit random and the way I'm talking might make it sound that it is, but it's kind of – um, super organized in my mind you just can't see it yeah okay. I think I think that's the case as in you know I would have made a decision at some point I, I would have written some of the draft of, of this latest novel the song of Lewis Carmichael and then um, I can't remember how it played out but I would have I would have said to myself in a very concrete way I will now write another adult novel I yeah. know David's sitting there yeah you know I know the song of Lewis Carmichael but I'm going to turn to this Yep. I'm going to give it nine months. Yeah, it's more like that. Okay, now there's a break. I don't want to waste that time. I'm going to go back to that because it's still calling me. It's still alive. I'm, I'm Okay, I've got now three months. I'm going to force it out. This is going to be hard work. It is hard work. I feel like hanging out and, like, you know, reading, I don't know, reading a true crime book, but I'm <laughs> going to make this happen. I'm just trying to think of something. No, I sort understand. Of not really, yeah, yeah. But, so but I'm going to make yeah, make when, this happen. When you're working on something, when you're making something happen, are you writing every day? Do you have a word count in your mind? Do you just sit down yep, when you yep, can? Pretty, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm pretty strict about all of that. Okay. Uh, yeah, but I have had kids. So, and they're young. Yes. One, one is only six and one is only 11. Um, yes. Or, or 11, yeah. So, um, that's very different. That's very different, you know. So, how do you juggle all that stuff? Uh, I wrote a lot in play centres. 
Yes. Uh, are at a lot in play centres. Um, and then, you know, of course, with school. But then, you know, Milo's first year of school, he he, he was in lockdown, a lot of it. Yes. Um, just mad, in a frenzy, in yeah. a frenzy. Yeah, okay. And whenever possible. But having said that, again, it, it, it is a frenzy that repeats day in, day out, and I will give myself word count. But all of that has very much gone out the window at the moment. Like, yeah. And, and it's, it's way too... Uh, random for me, but what can I do? What what can I do? I have to go with it. Yeah, you know, What's usually, you yeah, do? yeah. Once school starts, of course, I I, I I get in a pattern, and patterns help us to work. Yeah, because patterns provide, like, you know, you know what you're doing. And yeah. So when it's hard and you're resistant and you don't know if it's any good and you lose faith, well, you've got your pattern. So half the work's done because. Before you know what you're doing, you're already getting dressed and moving out the door. You know what I mean? Like I momentum, yeah. and momentum. Yeah, it's yeah. just getting broken at the moment. Like, yeah, no. And it's freaking hard. Excuse my language or almost <laughs> language, but it, it, get, it gets it's getting interrupted. Yeah. And I'm um, I'm used to you know I'm pretty flexible. Like I've got kids, I know how to multitask and like throw you know having all those balls in the air. But this is just next level. It is next you know? level. I would have level. to agree. And generally, yeah. generally speaking, are you someone who kind of edits your work as you go, or do you write the whole thing and then go back to the beginning and edit oh. the whole draft? Well, let we shouldn't apply what I'm doing at the moment. No, because it's yeah. because it's not. You know, like I, I'm right now, I'm like dropping my forehead is dropping into my hand. Yeah, my head is dropping into my hand in like. Mm. you know as, yeah. I'm, as I'm coping with, with these changes but um, usually I won't let myself do too much of the editing because yeah. I I know what the hard stage is and it's not the editing yeah yeah, yeah. it's okay. not is it it's it's get well I don't think it is it's knowing uh, the events of your story yeah. and organize organizing your story in the right order as as, as obvious or as heavy-handed as that sounds that's not easy work no and like generally, like I, when I read um, reviews and descriptions, etc., of your adult novels in particular, um, they're generally described as mesmerising and harrowing, um, which can't be easy writing either. Like that must be there must Why be a huge. It? Is it not a huge amount of emotional kind of output for you? Is that is that is that not difficult to weather if you're in the middle of it, particularly if it's not going particularly well? Doesn't it, I mean I I, I yeah I, I'm tongue tied now I don't know how to um, whether I should be honest in my answer like a part of me just wants to not be honest about about how that's like because I um because if I was going to be honest I would say I I wouldn't do anything that I didn't that didn't I'm too busy and I and I've got these young kids and I've I just write how it. Oh. Part of the process it. for you. I understand yeah, what you're saying. Yeah, there's no way I would be doing anything that no. was um, unpleasant for me. So no. the more no. harrowing, there's a great deal of energy around the harrowing, around the unspeakable, around taboo subjects, around suffering. So it's it's the absolute opposite of what you put to me. The yeah. absolute opposite of okay. what you. I, w- I wouldn't be able to. You know, I'm not. I'm not. Um, yeah, I'm not that selfless or. or yeah. It's so it's more, it's, it's more it's, about, it's yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. It, yeah. it moves energy. It's cathartic. It's joyful. Yeah. It's joyful. Great. It's absolutely pleasurable. It's relaxing. It's hard work. Don't get me wrong. It's hard work. But it's very connected to the, to the character. And even if your character is in, 
the throes of, of, of whatever. If you're connected, if you're in voice, that's why actors enjoy big scenes, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's thrill. It's, yeah. it's really thrilling. Yeah, okay. That's great. Um, so let's talk about the Miles Franklin because, you know, not too many people have one of those. What kind mm-hmm. of – what does what does that feel like to wake up the next day and go, oh, I want a Miles well, Franklin? Well, again, my answer is going to dis- in a way disappoint because Milo – um, was 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 breastfeeding at the time and was really young. Okay. And then I was so I was up. Milo was up every two hours for for fourteen months oh. without any Alison without any break from oh. that. Without any without even one night doing it any differently for fourteen months. Oh, I'm surprised you were not, not one night. How were you upright? Yeah, yeah. I was pretty stressed. I was pretty stressed. Yeah, okay. You know what? I think maybe it changed around 12, maybe around 12 months I was, yeah, that's when I thought, okay, okay, I'm going to do what those books say and try and push it and push it, you know? Yeah. Because, yeah, but until then, every two hours. Right. Slept in the same bed. I, I, yeah, I I didn't feel nice, you know, what you feel like. I don't know. Yeah, you you feel disheveled, exhausted. Yeah. just, I'd never been apart from him. That night that I received the award, I hadn't been apart from him ever. Wow. wow. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. I'd gone to a swim at the pool and left him with mum, but I'd never, like, gone to an event in the city. Wow. And then oh, you front up then... for the Miles Franklin. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was still, yeah, you know what you like? Like, you, you're just so, such a, you're in a different, particular sort of space. And I got home, I had to be up every two hours, and I had yeah. to be at radio at, at the ABC. Yeah. At seven the next morning. Yeah, okay. And, and, and when I got like, home, Milo was ill. Milo was ill. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and, it's just um, yeah. another day. But it must have had a big effect uh, on your actual career, on your writing career. Like, did you see the effect of it on your writing career? I knew that it was going to take some time for me mm. to process it. I couldn't yep. process it at all. I, I couldn't process it at all. At all. I was, I was numb. Yeah, wow. With, with, with concern for the kids and, and, and yeah, I was, I, I was completely out of my debt. Wow. I was overwhelmed yeah, in a okay. good way. In, it, don't get me wrong. It was, it, it, it was good, but physically it was very um, challenging at the time and I was, um, you know, getting messed around my sleep and yeah. I couldn't process it. I knew it was good. That it was going to take a long time for me to um, – I had to juggle for the next three months like the most media I'd ever had to get my head around. Yeah, wow. The next three months, yeah. Yeah, on no sleep. Yeah, and I remember the older kid being at a swimming lesson. This was a great sort of metaphor for the whole experience. I had Milo in the pram while my older child was in a swim lesson and I was was rocking the pram back and forth on the edge of the pool while Sonny was in his lesson. And someone was on the phone wanting me to jot down, you know, be be somewhere or other at, at some hour. And I was writing, like trying to jot down the number. And with, with I had it was holding a silver biro, and I remember the silver biro like like spearing from my hand, like going through the air over, uh, you know, through the air, and then like um, yes, yeah, spearing into the water. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I like my jaw just dropped because I could just see at the bottom of the pool with this silver pen. Wow. 
There you go. There's a metaphor One right there. One of those heavy viros. <laughs> Sophie Laguna's glamorous life. My God, yeah. If that if that is not, I I, I was laughing inwardly because I thought if that is not a description of the times, I don't know what is. So help me, Lord. That's funny. So what sort of things? Like I know, obviously, where you know the world is not where it where you know we would like it to be right now. But what sorts of things are you able to do to promote your work now? Are you active on social media? Like what sorts of things are you doing right now? Yeah, now. Um, yeah, I, I did, you know, I got Instagram going at last year, at the end of last year. Right. I, I, my friend, a friend helped me to set that up. Um, so are you I just started, Sophie Laguna on that? Is that where people can um, find Sophie you? Sophie Laguna book. Yeah. Sophie Laguna book. Yep. On that. And, um, and, and mostly the way I use that, you know, if there's something important, um, I guess I'll put a picture on, you know, this is the publication day of Lewis Carmichael, or I will put a book that I want to recommend. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of book recommendations. I don't use it at all socially or, or, or I, I did through lockdown put a picture of the dog on it, which is really unusual for me. I, I don't do anything like that. It's just work. Yeah. Um, and, and Facebook is, 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 is the same. Yeah, I okay. So I'll say where I'm doing a talk or um, I, um, I'm not the hugest social media um person at the moment there's a lot of reviews for lewis carmichael and various online um magazines um yeah and and that's fantastic and it's book of the month for 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 readings and gimmicks which means it goes on their online um you know advertising material and um and and that's that's been fantastic yeah Oh, that's at least, I mean, at least it's sort of, you know, there's still, you're still able to get out there. I guess having such an established career does at least give you that sort of, yeah. um, those kinds of outlets, doesn't it? Because I think when you're starting yeah. out, that can be a lot yeah. harder to, to come yeah. by. Um, I and can't speak- imagine what that would be like. That would be, that would be um, hard, wouldn't it? R- really hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy, I think. Well, it's not easy for anyone, mm. let's face it. <laughs> It's not easy for anyone. It's not easy. It's pretty tough. It's pretty yeah. tough. Well, look, it's been great chatting today. I, I've loved your, you know, you've got such a an honest and authentic, you know, take on everything, which I think is just so refreshing. But do I? I don't know. I'm so no, you do. You know? I don't hope so. I hope so. I hope, no, you do. It's, I hope it's, it's lovely. Yeah. Um, oh, thanks, Alison. <laughs> but we're going to finish up nice. with our um, – our top three tips for aspiring writers. So, Sophie mm. Laguna, give us your top three tips for anyone out there who would like to be a Miles Franklin winner. Thanks. That'd be good. Oh, gee. Well, the first <laughs> I, what, what was that last bit? I missed the last Just anyone said. who'd like to be a, a Miles Franklin winner. You know, I'm sure you've got a few um, for them. Um, let, let me think. It's, it's well, right, first and foremost. That was yep. the first thing that came to my mind. Sounds so obvious. Uh, write a lot. Writing a lot in a journal, good. I mean, I've had a I've had a journal since I was a, a, a really young person. Um, write a lot, enjoy your writing. Um, of course, yeah, the, the next really obvious one is, is to read. Mm. But I'm not going to I'm not going to be too sort of um, what what's what's the word um, heavy about that one. I'm going to say. Write a lot. Share your writing with people that you trust. That mm. you know have your best interests in mind. Writing groups, competitions. I know I'm giving you um, not a neat sort of three. Read your work out loud. Mm. Do not ever 
submit work or enter work into a competition or whatever until you've read it out loud. Either either find a willing listener, which is even better than reading it to the wall, but read it to the wall if you have to. I found programs like text, you know, text to voice. Yep. I, I, I've done whole novels, text to voice. Right. Read it out loud, find someone to listen, um, share your work, um, and also just the obvious things like um, hunt down, for, for want of a better verb than hunt, um, opportunities, as in, yeah, I remember, like, whether it's competitions or publishing houses that are open, um, you, you don't want to sort of, you know, um, hassle anyone. Um, so, so the most important thing is, of course, the creative part of writing. Read writing guides yeah. just in case you find one that's fantastic. I've got a few that I um, teach with and they can give you daily, like set, put a structure into your writing life. Yeah. If you're a busy, busy working person, get write for 10 minutes a day. And no more. That's a fabulous exercise. Try it for a month. Yeah. I mean, I'm really disciplined about, about uh, I think I am. Um, and so I haven't got a great deal of patience um, for lack of discipline. Yeah. Because because um, there's a lot of people that want to get the, get, get their work published. So, you know, the, uh, that excuses are not, not that interesting to me, as you can imagine. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, getting, you know, I'm getting that vibe. No I mean, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, people write under some very difficult circumstances. I mean, I understand, you know, it's a privilege. I'm privileged. I live in a country where I can write. Even being the gender that I am, I'm still permitted to write. Yeah. Um, I was taught to write. I went to school. Yeah. That's all. They're all incredible um, advantages. And, and, and many, you know, so they're not to be taken lightly. No. So I take it seriously. I take the business seriously. And if you haven't got time, gee, you know, yeah, there's plenty of other things to do. Yeah, yeah there absolutely is. Thank you so much again, Sophie. It's been absolutely lovely talking to you today. Best of luck with the song of Lewis Carmichael. I think it's going to go gangbusters for you. Thank you, Alison. Yeah, it's going to be lovely. Thank you. Bye. There we go, Sophie Laguna. So cool. Awesome, awesome. Um, All right. We're now almost at the end of this week's episode. So what are you doing in the coming week, Al? Are you going to be more surprised? Well, who knows? Like really, (laughs) anything's possible, Valerie. Anything is possible. Um, No, I'm going to be – you know, one thing I am definitely going to be doing is watching the second episode of Lost for Words on SBS. Oh, Um, yes, I want to watch that. Yeah, no, you should. Why don't you watch it and we'll talk about it next uh, next episode. But, uh, yeah, I – look – Honestly, eye-opening experience, and if you mm. haven't watched it, I recommend that you do have a look at it. It's about mm. adult literacy, and uh, yes, it's a, as I said, eye-opening. I feel like it's a really important. I think it's a really important um, series, and I hope that yes. lots of people do watch it because it's, um, it was an extraordinary thing. And you know, forty-three percent of Australian adults um, don't have the necessary literacy skills to kind of mm. just navigate everyday life. Forty-three percent. Um, and this this series is uh, follows eight people as they attend, you know, adult literacy classes and um, mm. are looking at, at you know at, at obviously you know increase improving those those literacy levels and it's yeah it's like they're so much courage to do it mm. on national television oh. like, to do it at all like let's yeah. rank it to do it at all um, yeah. and they talk a lot about how they try to hide the fact that they that they mm. can't read the forms and they can't navigate public transport and mm. some of the technological workarounds that they use I mean um, one mm. of them 
who probably has the lowest literacy level, talks about how important um, his iPhone is to him. Like, you mm. know, how he uses it to kind of like uh, find the things that he needs in supermarkets and all sorts mm. of different things. Like it's, yeah, it's really, uh, like I think it's a really important thing to see because it, it just, I was just shocked that so many people fall through the cracks. I think yes. I was, I, it, I, it, sh- it literally shocked me. I knew that that people did because I, you know, we, I have come across them, I have met them, um, mm. I've worked with them at, at different things and so I knew that there was there were people that had. I did not know that there were so many. Um, yes, I was really quite 43% surprised forty three percent is such a shock. Mm, it it's is, so and I, you know we're failing we're failing people in our education mm, system mm. if forty three percent are adults and are at this you know are, are you know in this situation they've sat in classrooms uh, you know mm. up, up to most of them sort of you know year ten at least uh, mm. they have sat in classrooms and they have not. Um, come out of those classrooms with the lev- levels of literacy that they need to navigate the supermarket. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I think it's an important thing. Anyway, mm. I'm talking about it to everyone because I, I'm talking about it all over the place because mm. I think it's really something that's worth watching. So if you're in Australia, mm. SBS, Wednesday nights, I think it's on streaming, Lost for Words. You can probably watch it on demand. Yeah, have a look at mm. it. Fantastic. I'm definitely going to watch that. Thanks for sharing that. All right. So uh, where do we find you online, Al? Uh, you'll find me at alisontait.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T.com. You will find me on Twitter at, at Al Tate, A-L-T-A-I-T, and you will find me on Facebook and Instagram at Alison Tate Writer. And you, Val, where do we find you? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writercentre.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentre.com.au slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more.